You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, uh, we want to just see what the Spirit of God will have for us today. It was a wonderful time in God's presence Sunday, and I just had wished we had no time pressure to just remain in God's presence, just blessing Him, just dancing and celebrating, because truly, you know, uh, I think it's the full gospel fellowship that introduces themselves as the happiest people in the world. And ideally, because when you count the things that the Christian has, he actually has no competitor. We should have nobody that is nearing us in the area of who should be the most joyful. I mean, the dancing and celebration and just rejoicing in the presence of God should be at default position because of all that we have all that we are, all that we have been made, we have been adopted by a rich God, a big God. Praise the Lord. Imagine if as old as we are now, you know, um, Bill Gates just writes and say, Pastor Nath, I just love you too much. Can you come and be my first son? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what that will mean for you. Okay, but so we have all of that and we have so much more as Christians. Praise the Lord. We have the world plain before us. You can imagine how unfortunate the unbeliever is. He's living in a world that he doesn't know what is under it. He doesn't know what is before him. He doesn't know where he came from. That's why there's such endless groping for different things and, you know, all of that. Okay? Because they don't know. But you and I have a father who has begotten us and the world is clear to us. The direction we are going is clear to us. What is, you know, to be treasured is clear to us. He makes us understand, for instance, in terms of treasure. He said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rot and thieves break in and steal. This is the word of God. Okay? So he says, but rather what? Lay up your treasures where? In heaven. Where? So you can live a secure life. The Christian is entitled to peace because you know what will happen tomorrow. We are not uncertain. Praise the Lord. We know who is coming. We know what is happening. We know what is going to happen and, you know, all of that builds in, in us a level of confidence and certainty and settlement. We're not worried. How is this going to turn out? We also know who our enemy is. And we know the way our ne- enemy operates. And then we are told how to handle our enemy. What did he say to us concerning our enemy on Sunday? He says, submit to God. Resist the devil. And what will happen? He was camper. Praise the Lord. That alone should make anybody happy. You know, I was telling my wife, I think it was yesterday, that I don't understand Christians who every time they're talking about their enemies. Ah, don't they have God? Because the first line in that passage says, submit to God. Praise the Lord. Submit to God. You hear people that say, ah, those who didn't want me, they, um, what's that one that my village people used to say? Say, let my enemies live long. I never forget that sticker. I think I must have been either for... Maybe when I started reading the first time, that was the first thing I read on someone's door. You see a sticker on someone's door. Let my enemies live long. That they, so the reason 
so that they will see what I become in future. Hey, you know, I already I didn't understand. If you're going to become something in future, why should the prayer that you're praying be for your enemies to live long? You know, there's too much enemy consciousness. You know, too much fear. Like you don't know God. You know, you're praying and you're just praying. You're praying from a position of fear, not from a position of sonship. Submit to God. And this God you're submitting to, we are told who he is. Say, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So we're at home with the almighty God. Praise the Lord. So, okay, so he says, yes, there's an enemy, but this is what he does. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, he says, what do you do with him? Do you now begin to also make noise with him? No, he says, just submit to God, resist him. Praise the Lord. Submit to God, resist him, and he's going to, you know, he'll take care of himself. See what happened in the case of Job. He brought up all the, you know, accusations against Job. When the trial came on Job, what did Job do? Job submitted to God, resisted him. Did you hear Job cast out the devil? But the devil left never to be mentioned again in that account. Praise the Lord. So if anybody here is facing, you know, some challenges and it looks as though the enemy is fighting and battling, it's a simple thing, submit to God. What does it mean to submit to God? Trust God and obey him. Resist the devil. And with time, you're going to find out that you can't even find him. You look for him, you can't find him. Why? Because that is the way it operates. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. He will scamper. He will run away because he knows good market and bad market. You will not be good market for the devil in the name of Jesus. But those who are always calling him, you want to start service, you bind this devil, bind the devil from ocean, bind the devil from mountain, bind the devil from here. Bind the devil from under the ground. In the worship of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I mean, just think, you see, you're laughing. Think about it. American government, they gather to have a program. They begin to bind Al-Qaeda. They say, Al-Qaeda, we bind Al-Qaeda. We'll bind ISIS. There's no room for that. Praise the Lord. We submit to God. We'll resist the devil. Okay? And he flees. And it's the same application in unit battles. So someone is trusting God for healing, what do you do? Believe God, resist the symptoms. But what do we do oftentimes? We research the symptoms, we dwell on it. This is how he's doing this, how he's doing He has gone to this place, he has gone, ah, he was here before, he has come here. He has gone to this place. You know, in all of that, you're not meditating on what Christ has done. One of the key things for me I learned on Sunday is that if God put natural healing, in everything he created. How many of us have seen dogs in maternity wards? How many of us have seen them go for surgery? I told you some time ago, we had a friend in the UK whose cat had a heart surgery. <laughs> it's too much money, you know? you know. But God created all these animals and, you know, they get sick. Different things happen. He heals them. Now, that system is put in his creation. Now, if God's natural order without redemption has healing provided, what about when now we are in Christ Jesus? And the Bible says, for with his stripes you were healed. So you have a superior expectation to divine healing. Just because you're God's creation, praise the Lord, there is healing. And then because you're God's redeemed, there is a promise. Praise the Lord. And as a church, you know, because we don't want drama, does not mean you should not have faith for healing. I think it was a consultancy that reminded us on, at the um, Lunch Hour Fellowship. 
If you're sick in the body, don't die. If your faith can't carry it, send for the elders of the church. They will pray over you. They will lay hands on you. We don't have to, you know, every Sunday we'll bring video people and line up people and start laying people, you know, hands on people. For you to know it's done here. We believe in the scripture. Anything that is in the Bible, we believe. Anything that is not there, we don't emphasize. And for instance, you know, when I was listening to the scripture, I've told you to listen to scripture at any time you have. I was listening to scripture. And one area just jumped out on me. You know when they came to arrest Jesus? And he said to them, who are you seeking? And he says, well, seeking for Christ. He says, I'm here. And then the, what did the Bible say? They drew back and they fell on the ground. And I was now thinking, was there any other place where people met Jesus and they fell on the ground? And I was checking. When he laid hands on Peter's mother, she didn't fall on the ground. She just got healed. So that falling is not part of healing. It's just your carnal desire that wants to see wonder. Wonder, 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 wonder. You want to see wonder. So if they lay hands on you, you don't fall. You have not received healing. But it's not in the Bible. The only people that fell at the encounter of Jesus, you know, their encounter with Jesus was those who came to arrest him. And he still submitted. No other place. There is no place we heard that Paul, Peter, any of them laid hands on people and they fell. But that's what we look for. We line up people. And then, you know, you're feeling spiritual. It's spectacular. And the flesh likes spectacles. But the Holy Spirit doesn't supply spectacles. And when you look too much to spectacles, you miss the spiritual. Praise the Lord. So we believe in divine healing. We believe in agreement. If two of you shall agree, you're having something, you have a contract, you have a, an interview, you come, we agree in prayer. We don't have to, you know, interrupt service and say testimonies. And you now come and say how you would not have eaten, but Pastor Ken have prayed for you and the food digested. It's a waste of time. The truth is that testimonies don't build faith. Faith is, faith comes by testimonies. Is that what the Bible said? How does faith come by? What comes by testimony is lost. Testimonies are okay. There is nothing wrong with them. But when a people now magnify testimony, in some environments, the time they give to the word and the time they give to testimony, testimony has more time than word. Now, Jesus is the word of God. And the spirit of Christ is the spirit of testimony. So once you're preaching Jesus, you're preaching the testimony that people need to hear. But you see, when you preach only the word, you are not exalted. But when there are testimonies, when people are living, their faith is being transferred to you. Their faith is being transferred to you. But when you preach the word, their faith is being put in the word. So whatever circumstance or situation the person faces, if he remembers the word, he will have faith in the word. But when it's testimony, when they encounter anything, they look for you. Which one is better business? It's testimony now. But we're not business people. You get it? So please, we believe the Bible. You know, we are not for sure, but we believe the Bible. And God is merciful. God hears and God answers prayers. Okay? So if you're, you know, if you're in need of prayer, if you're in need of agreement, if you're in need of divine intervention, you know, ask the pastors, the ministers, your HODs, every, anyone, and we will agree with you in prayer. Praise the Lord. Okay, there's something we, we read in that passage on Sunday that... I think was was just still very strong in my heart. And let's see how we'll touch it with the brief time we have and we'll pray. Praise the Lord. We read Luke 10. We can read it again. Luke 10 from verse 17. And it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. 
And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All these things have been delivered to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And who the Father is except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. Praise the Lord. You know, we started by saying that we wanted to find out what was it that made Jesus rejoice. And we saw here that Jesus rejoiced because of the revelation of things that the Father you know, had made known to the people. And we, we see it in verse 21. It says that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. And then 23 says, blessed are your eyes for they see these things. So what were those things? If it wasn't so much the miracles, because they had miracles in the Old Testament, you know, uh, the prophets walked signs and wonders. They even raised the dead. At this point, the disciples hadn't raised the dead. Now, I saw something, you know, quite interesting where Peter was writing to us. Peter was amongst those that Jesus was speaking to there. So if you could come with me to First Peter, we will read a bit. And um, if we have, I believe we do, we have the Living Bible translation. You may please put that for us on the screen. So we take that, the Living Bible. I'll have my King James open and then we'll take the Living Bible from the screen. First Peter chapter 1. We'll read from there to... Um, it's actually very long, but we'll read and just read. Maybe we'll stop at 11 or 12 for today. Okay, let's read together. From Peter, Jesus Christ missionary to the Jewish Christians driven out of Jerusalem and scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia Minor, and Bithynia. Their friends, God the Father chose you long ago and knew you would become his children. And the Holy Spirit has been at work in your hearts, cleansing you with the blood of Jesus Christ and making you to please him. May God bless you richly and grant you increasing freedom from all anxiety and fear. All honor to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is his boundless mercy that has given us a privilege of being born again, so that we are now members of God's own family. Now we live in the hope of eternal life because Christ rose again from the dead. Four. And God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Five now. And God in his mighty power will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you're trusting him. It will be yours in that coming last day for all to see. Verse 6. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead even though the going is rough for a while down here. These trials are only to test your faith to see whether or not it is strong and pure. It is being tested as far as tests gold and purifies it. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. 
So if your faith remains strong after being tried in the test tube of fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day of his return. Eight. Say you love him even though you have never seen him. Though not seen him, you trust him. And even now you are happy with the inexpressible joy that comes from heaven itself. And your further reward for trusting him will be salvation of your souls. Did you see something here? Because recently, just pause on this. Let let me make a comment on it. We may not do so much details on it. Recently, I, I heard a preacher, you know, a very known sound preacher, you know, say something. And I was just processing it. And he said that your soul is not saved when you're born again. You see, I, I knew I was going to. You see, when the Bible says seven souls were saved, he was, that's, this is what he was saying. And this is almost like agreeing with it. He says the, the soul is, ref, is used to refer to the whole person. When you're born again, your spirit is born again. Remember your spirit, soul, and body. So it is your spirit that the Holy Spirit quickens and is made alive. Anybody who is not born again, his spirit is dead. Okay? We know that. Now, when you're born again, your spirit is made alive. And you become, you know, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Okay? When you're born again, does your body change? Now, the same way, his point was that at that point also, your soul doesn't change. Do you understand it now? But when the Bible says soul, sometimes soul is used to refer to the whole person. Okay? But when you actually break it down, because look at this verse 9. It says, and your further reward for trusting him will be. Are you seeing it now? That's why Jesus will say, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So your spirit is saved. Okay, and Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your members, what, living sacrifice, wholly acceptable. Then verse 2 says, and do not be conformed. Who is he writing to? He's writing to born again Christians already. But so the way it was being made to me is that when my spirit is saved, now I have to yield to the Holy Spirit so that my spirit can draw my soul into the salvation. I get it in now. So he made a lot of sense because you see some people and you almost just want to say, for me sometimes, say they are not born again. No, their spirits are born again, but their souls are not transformed. Now the question should be, if somebody's spirit is born again and the soul is not transformed, will he go to heaven? Look at that scripture and answer for me. Eh? Because you see, once you put faith in Christ, your spirit is quickened. But now that's the birth. So, okay, if you give birth to a child as a human being, when the child is born, when that child baby comes out, is that baby a human being or not? The baby is a human baby, boy or girl, right? But if you don't feed that child with bread and water and milk and the rest of them, what is going to happen? So a baby was born, but a child did not grow, isn't it? And your further reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So, trusting God leads you. As many as are led of the Spirit, these are the sons of God. So, if I'm born of the Spirit, but I'm not led of the Spirit, 
The Bible is clearly saying I'm not a son. Are we getting it now? Because this helps us to understand serious Christians and unserious ones. So people come in. The Bible tells us about the 5,000 that were fed. They were disciples. They were following Jesus. They had followed Jesus for three days. 5,000 not counting women and children. Okay? But when he now taught them that unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. What happened? He said they left. So did they begin the journey? They began the journey. But did they continue? They didn't continue. At the upper room, how many were there? 120. And from that 120, the journey began again. When Peter preached, now 3,000 were added, not even 5,000. Praise the Lord. Because, you see, we, we need to understand some of these things. You know, part of where we started on Sunday is that we said that many Christians are unprepared for the things that we'll face in these last days. So, I mean, the, the type of Christianity we have now, you know, if Jesus starts, he's going to get to where you almost cannot, you know, walk normally. You can't eat normally. You have to make deal with some low, you know, you just have to survive because the pressure, the persecution is going to heighten up. Somewhere in Europe, somebody is being charged to court for reading a Bible passage because he called homosexual sin. And that's just what the Bible said. So all those things are going to, you know, get tougher and tougher and tougher. Okay? But when somebody understands what is at stake, which is part of what, you know, we try to communicate on Sunday, we know the beginning, we know the end. Like for the young people we're talking about, what's the answer to LGBTQ pressure? You know the beginning. You know, if I know that going in this direction will bring destruction, I don't need to go. I say bring the wahala now. Do you understand? Let's, you know, bring it on right away because there is no way. I can't become nice and say it's okay. Hoping that it will get better. Once I do that, I've stepped out of line. And what I'm I'm waiting for is judgment. So why should I go that line and meet judgment? Let the judgment come now. I will never accept it. It's not right. God calls this sin. And the soul that sinned must die. I cannot. Why? Because I know what is at the end. Praise the Lord. Okay, so it says, And your further reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So our spirits are born again, the gift of God, okay? It's by grace we are saved, okay? Through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, but when my spirit is saved, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with what? So if I don't work it out, do I have it? All of us here can have six-pack. Somebody's laughing. Gigi can have six-pack. If you place one billion before Gigi by January 1st, 2024, six pack, you collect one billion. You see Gigi with 18 pack even. <laughs> I saw a picture of um, Mike Tyson when he was, I think, 39 years old. He was looking like, um, who here now? Fat, 10 years after, he's, you know, all built up. Walk out means the potential is there. If you don't walk it, you don't see it. But if you walk it, you see it. Okay? Okay, let's continue. We're actually going to 11. Okay? So now it says, This salvation was something the prophets did not fully understand. Though they wrote about it, they had many questions as to what it all could mean. Just hold on here. Can you see what we're talking about? This is what Jesus was saying to them, that the Father hid but has revealed it to you. So it's the nature and the character of this our salvation. 
That's what they are talking about here. He said, this salvation, the New King James says, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that will come to you. So, but none is being made clear to them that Peter was writing to and to us by the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 11 says, searching. Okay, I'm back here. Okay, let's continue. He said, they wonder what the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about. For he told them to write down the events which since then have happened to Christ. His suffering and his great glory afterwards. And they wondered when and to whom all this would happen. Let's stop at 12 now. They were finally told that these things would not occur during their lifetime, but long years later, during yours. And now at last, this good news has been plainly announced to all of us. It was preached to us in the power of the same heaven-sent Holy Spirit who spoke to them. And it is all so strange and wonderful that even the angels in heaven would give a great deal to know more about it. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. You know, so we see something here that Peter is retreating what our Lord Jesus Christ said. That there is something that the prophets, the people before, they were talking about it, but they fully didn't get it. Now, tonight we want to read this passage. I'll now take it from King James and then we'll refer. So you can just leave the living Bible on the screen. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living home. That begotten us again is like where our Lord Jesus Christ says, uh, John 1, as many as received him, he gave the power to become sons of God. To those who were born, not of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay, so this born, this birth that we are reading in verse 3 now, this first Peter 1, is talking of a birth, not from my mother, not from my father, not from your mother, but a birth from God. Okay? This is the birth that I'm talking about. Having begotten us again to a living hope. That living hope is the first thing we want to deal with. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When I read living hope, I said, what do you mean by living hope? Hope is I hope for something, isn't it? Okay? But living hope, what does living hope mean? What does it mean to have a living hope? Hope is in the future. But if it's a living hope, it means that there's something about that future that is with me now. Are you with me? You see? Hallelujah. I hope to go to the U.S., but I'm in Nigeria. Right? It can be living hope. Hmm? No. Begotten us again to a living hope is saying something interesting, and we're going to get it. Amen? Now, when a woman conceives... What happens in her womb? There's a baby in the womb. But is there a baby? You're getting it now. When a test is done and they say the normal word they use is what? It's positive, right? And then the woman begins to say, I'm expecting a baby. A woman who hasn't had the test cannot be saying, I'm expecting a baby. Now, if she doesn't tell you at a stage you will not know because nothing has happened to the tummy. But even though nothing has happened to the tummy, they did a test, some blood test, and the blood test reads positive. That woman cannot say, I don't know if I'm pregnant until after nine months. There is something in her that lets her know that in nine months she will have a baby. When you're born again, something happens inside the womb of your spirit 
that you know you have conceived of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me now? Now, that thing you have conceived, the total manifestation is not known. It's not known to every other person. But you know because it has happened inside of you. Now, that is what the Bible is talking about. A living hope. Now, a woman can have that conception and not know. And not know the changes that are going on. But when you as a Christian, you're born again, you know what has happened. Okay? By virtue of that knowledge, Peter is now telling us what is about. Okay? So, a woman conceives and um, it's called, uh, there is an embryo. Okay? So, what you have, they say between two weeks to eight weeks, is called an embryo. Okay? Now, that embryo is a baby. It's a boy or a girl in nine months. But for now, it's not a boy. But it's a boy. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now, the salvation we have, child of God, son of God, dwelling in heaven, glorious body. You already have it, but you don't have it. That's why it's a living hope. It's a hope in the sense that it's going to fully become manifested. But it's an assurance because now you have a deposit of it. Are you with me? If you understand this, you have scaled a major fence in your Christian work. Because many things God speaks to you, this is how it's going to come. You have to possess it as a living hope. So God says a word to you. You receive it. Take it that you have conceived. A woman will not go about who is pregnant, three months pregnant, two months pregnant, and say, until I give birth to this baby, I will not believe I have baby. Will any, if a woman says that, what are you going to say? It means her head is not working well. Because inside of your womb is what? A baby. Now, the same thing. Every word God has spoken to you is already inside of your womb. So, if you're going about saying, until I see the manifestation, I will not believe it. That's why you can say, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. That's why I can say, confess. Are you getting it now? Because it's already in you, but it hasn't manifested. It hasn't been fully unveiled. So it's a living hope. Having begotten us again to a living hope. The born again child has been given the right to become a son of God. Now that becoming, you're not all of it, but you're becoming it. Just like the embryo in the womb is changing from, they say that eight, at eight weeks, it becomes a fetus. So it becomes fetus, F-E-T-U-S. Okay? From that eight weeks on, it's a fetus until an infant is delivered. Now, throughout that process, nobody can see the baby. But what happens is that as time is going on, the stomach is getting bigger. Now, most times also, first pregnancy, sometimes the stomach can, may not even get big enough for you to know. And bam, a baby drops. Now, what that picture gives you is what the picture of the Christian is. In your walk with God, your salvation. He said, begotten us again to a living hope. So you are a king. You are royalty. You are a priest. You are all of that. Okay? But if you look around you, it may not look like it. But it's already inside of you. You're carrying it inside of you. Now, if somebody realizes, oh, I'm pregnant. Or rather, a a woman goes to do a test and they tell her, oh, yes, it's positive. You have a baby. Would that woman now sit down and start crying? Hey, 
I'm going to have labor pains in nine months' time. Why are you laughing? Okay, okay. Would that woman say, ah, all my clothes will no longer fit me? Would she say that? What will fill her mind? The way she's going to announce it is, I'm going to be a mother. I'm going to be a mother, isn't it? Now, that I'm going to be a mother, when her feet starts getting uh, swollen, will she be so downcast that her feet are swollen? Why? She's going to be what? A mother, okay? When her nose and everything, if she's someone that is concerned about beauty, when she begins to be ugly, is she going to detest her pregnancy because she's becoming ugly? Now, do you know as a Christian, everything you're going through as a Christian, that person says, there's a place, says, praise the Lord. So he says, begotten us to a living home. First, he says, to an inheritance incorruptible. This is talking about the certainty of what we are going to receive at the end of the journey. Amen? To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. He says, God has reserved for his children what? The priceless gift of eternal life. That's what has begun. Are you with me this evening? That's what has begun in us. It says it is kept in heaven for you. Just as surely, and there will be no miscarriages here again in the name of Jesus. Just as surely as when that baby is confirmed in the womb, we know that nine months' time, what will we see? We'll see a baby boy, a baby girl. Praise the Lord. Or the two at the same time. It says it is kept in heaven for you. How is it? It's pure and what? Undefiled. Beyond the reach of change and decay. That's how certain the finish is. Just like when a a woman conceives. Okay? It gets more interesting. It says, 5 says, God, in his mighty power, will make sure that that pregnancy goes full term. God, in his mighty power, will make sure that you get there safely. That you will get to heaven to receive the inheritance. So, there is an inheritance and then God is working in you so that you can receive it. Are you getting it now? So, he, he doesn't just send the inheritance and leave you to make that journey. No. That's why the Bible says he has given us the Holy Spirit as a seal. And then the Jesus is in heaven making intercessions for us. And then the Holy Spirit is here guiding us. Telling us when we want to turn to the left. Or he said, no, don't turn that way. That, don't turn, don't turn. You make a shipwreck of your faith. He's guiding us to make sure that we meet with that incorruptible undefiled inheritance praise the lord somebody now look at what six says now six says so be truly what glad okay the way uh, king james would say say in this you greatly rejoice now i say so be truly glad why am i truly glad because of what they showed me in four and five they've showed me this priceless gift that god has for me okay he said there is wonderful joy ahead but what is going to happen the going is going to be rough. It's going to be rough for a while. This is the way King James would say. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by what? Various trials. Okay? Now, if you want, we can look at um, we can message, please. That verse 6. It says, I know how great this makes you feel. Even though you have to what? Put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime does this sound like the situation of a woman who has just said she's pregnant you're pregnant we are rejoicing hallelujah but you know that times ahead won't be normal praise the lord no no you can't expect it to be normal however 
even though that times ahead will not be normal for the woman, she's not sad that she's pregnant. She's not complaining that she's pregnant because of the joy. And this is what the Bible was also saying about our Lord Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who what? For the joy that was set before him endured. Now, child of God, daughter of Zion, you know, son of the Most High God. By virtue of the inheritance that is kept for you. Your big brother, our senior brother, Paul the Apostle, says these light afflictions. What do they do? He said they work for us a far heavier weight of glory. The same for the pregnant woman. So you have that understanding as a Christian. The devil will just so suffer loss in your life. Because you now know that everything is going in a direction. And I like the way King James put it. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. Even though for now, if need be. It means that your trial is the one you need. They are not trying him in your trial. Just like every pregnancy, even a woman that has two children, the two are not the same. God knows what the hormonal changes needs to be in one. In one case, the hormonal change may mean this woman won't eat. They are begging her to eat. In another case, maybe the baby wants a robber mother. So that baby will make the hormonal changes in the life of the woman to just eat and eat and eat. And her size triples. It's what is necessary to make sure that that baby is born and born whole the way it's meant to be. The same way, the journey that you're on as a Christian, God knows what is necessary to bring you to a finish. Do you understand? So for some of us here, we might want the billionaire prosperity, but God knows that the day we become billionaire, that day we'll marry the seven wives in one day. So they will give you with just enough to manage one wife. Because by the time you enter business class or first class, and the air hostess is just answering, sir, sir, he said, I'll marry this one. <laughs> it's not a laughing matter. One of our brethren, he told me, Pastor, thank God for solid foundation. He said, these account officers can finish you. By the time they see your account, 800 million, 70 million, and they are, the thing is just clear, you're not asking for loan. Hey, how are you? We just came to say hello. Are you okay? Is that pimple I'm seeing? <laughs> <laughs> Wahala. So for some of us, God will keep it that account officer won't even come. <laughs> Lest you make a shipwreck of your faith. If need be. So everyone has his own trial. You know, many years ago we were praying, and I was telling them that listen, some of us, you know, are going through different things, and you're saying husband, wife. Some of us, God may, may have seen that. There would have been household mother. So they kept you. You don't know. They said, please, put the King James, please. Oh, sir. Now that's where we are. Six. It says, when you greatly rejoice, though now face, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. New King James. Do you understand? Remember, verse 5 said, God is working to bring you to that inheritance. Isn't it? Now, in that work, he knows the areas he needs to sandpaper. He knows the areas he needs to give you rest. He knows the areas he needs to permit you to experience different things. He knows just what you need. Are you with me? So, thank you. He said, who are kept by 
power of God. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be. It means that there is no trial. The born again Christian who is walking in obedience to God. Is going through. Oh, thank you for the word of God. It says, no temptation that has befallen you. Yeah, it's common. And they say, God will not allow. It means every temptation is an allowed temptation. Are you with me? That's why I say, if need be, when they're presented, he'll look at it. Is it necessary for this one to? No, no, this is not. He, he doesn't need this. He doesn't need. If need be. Why is all of that? Because God hates us? No. It's because of the inheritance. It's for the baby. Some pregnancies, the doctors will tell the woman, you're not going anywhere. For eight months in the pregnancy, the woman is lying down with her legs hanging. As the doctors deem fit, isn't it? Some of them, eight months into our first child, six months or seven months into the, were dancing. In fact, at I think three months or four months, Mom, she was doing sit-up. We had a gym in the house. She was doing exercise with the baby in the womb. Do you understand? So, they are all different. They will gauge what you need. And then they will administer it to you. Now, what betide you if, why they are giving your own? You, you desire his own. Or why they are giving you, you say, why is God not giving you this own? No, they are checking what you need. All God wants is that you will have that baby and have that baby safely. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay, let's continue. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, even if you have been grieved by various trials. Okay. Seven. Seven makes it more interesting. It says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is one area that also will help you and I. You see, let's look at this in Amplified. Give us seven in Amplify, please. Thank you. It says so, that the genuineness of your faith may be what? Tested. God tests faith. Our faith will be what? Tested. Okay? It said your faith, our faith, which is infinitely more precious than the perishable gold, which is tested and prepared by fire. It said this proving of your faith is what? Intentional. It's intentional. Let me say it's intentional. So this one is intended. Why? It says to redound to your praise and glory and honor. When what happened? When Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is revealed. So, you see, at the end of the day, nobody is going to look at God and say, Ah, God, you took me through a rough path. You know what? Every path he took you through, provided you go through it in obedience, you're going to get the reward for it. That's what it's about. Because they say, because of the value of gold, it's tested by fire. Okay? You won't test this furniture with fire. It's not that valuable. Okay? A diamond is also tested with some other, you know, uh, uh, substances, right? right? Now, they said your faith is more precious than gold. So, if gold that is not as precious as your faith is tested by fire, why, should you, why shouldn't you look forward to a testing more intense, thank you, sir, than fire that tests gold? Is somebody getting understanding in Christianity now? So, when somebody says, I don't know what I'm going through, it's because your faith is precious. And then he says, this trial is not a waste. It's intended... 
that at the revealing of Christ, at the end of your journey, every trial you went through will bring laurels for you, will bring trophies for you. It will bring awards for you, like the ambassadors did for us. So it means on that day, you're going to stand, and then they'll say, you know, laurel for what? Being um, a Christian in Nigeria, for what now? Maybe you civil servant that never compromised. We thank God, we pray for testimonies that at some point the minister will visit, and you know, bless you, I heard of one policeman, a few of us may have heard of him in Abuja here, who never took bribes. He refused, they knew him, he never took bribes. One day he was in the office, uh, the, the FCT minister drove in, you know, uh, took them for a job. They went and did the job. And the minister just looked at him and said, I like you. What's your name? He said, so, so what, what about you? When I retire, he said, he's retiring in a few months' time. He said, what do you have? What, uh, and he realized the man didn't have a car, he didn't have a house, he didn't have anything. He gave him a brand new Prado, gave him a landed property in Abuja. All of that in seven months to his retirement. When his colleagues who were corrupt found out what happened they removed him from that office the minister came back and requested for him and then at his retirement people from all over donated money he retired a multi-millionaire the corrupt ones did not finish as well as they did so we pray for all of that in the name of jesus but for such a person also it could be that that doesn't happen but on the day when christ is revealed he's going to get a bigger than prado He's going to get a bigger than landed property because that's the challenge. When we always expect, what this passage is telling us is this. No mother will at seven months cut open her belly to see the baby. They wait until the baby is born. That's what he's saying here. In fact, if you look at the uh, New King James, I'm going to show you something here. And you underline it in your Bible or highlight it in your phone. Verse 7 says, says uh, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of jesus christ the christian must have an eye to what happens at the revelation of jesus christ that's part of what uh, peter was writing to us here and if you look at verse 13 we didn't read verse 13 Verse 13 also says, New King James, please. It says, therefore, get up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us, to you, to me, at the revelation of what? It means, brothers and sisters, that until the revelation of Jesus Christ, we can't tell who God has blessed. We can't tell who has done well. We can't tell who God has favored. We can't tell who has failed. It is at that time that they'll say this was the plan. This was what we're doing. Are you getting it now? So when you have this understanding, the devil can play those tricks on you. He can't come and point four people and say, look at you. You think you're doing this. Look at what God has done here. God has forsaken you. No, God hasn't forsaken you. It's greater glory. It's the same thing with Joseph and his brothers. If at the middle of his journey, the devil showed him a video of his family, he would have shown uh, Reuben. You know, Reuben sleeping in his house with the wives, at, you know, attending. He would have shown uh, Judah and the rest of them all in their, you know, leisure and their prosperity. But that was not the end. The end of the story was that all of them did what? They were bowing before Joseph. That's what it is for the Christian. If you're not careful, if you don't set a mind 
whatever trial, whatever situation, even in your prosperity, set a mind to the revelation of Jesus Christ. That was what happened with uh, uh, David. When David entered his prosperity, he was thinking, when my master comes, what is he going to do? Then he started thinking, is there anybody? What did I, I made a promise to the household of Saul. Is there anybody left of the lineage of Jonathan that I may show him kindness? He didn't have to think it. For that hour, he had absolute power. He could have actually summoned uh, uh, Mephibosheth and killed him. But because he had a mind that someday the master of masters is going to come and ask him to give account of his kingship, he said, let me do something that when the master comes, I will not just be rewarded for my suffering, I'll be rewarded for my prosperity. Let's rise on our feet. You are pregnant. The word of God has impregnated every one of us. And time is too short for you to judge what you're delivering. Are you with me? Oh, time is too short. You know, I, I read a passage recently. I, that, that's not our study for today. But the Lord was rebuking his priests and the prophets. He said, you discourage the righteous and encourage the wicked. And that, that sounds like what is happening in our time. When, when you're listening to preachers, the, the way they present the gospel, the truly righteous, persevering in righteousness and in faithfulness, that discouraged because they just display what is the reward, you know, that is not the total story. So he said, you, you afflict the righteous because the righteous listen to you and they think that nothing is happening to them. And then the wicked come and because you display them, they feel that, they are the, you know, numeruno of God. But they are not. Praise the Lord. So what this evening study is saying to us, you have been begotten to a living word, hope. You're not there, but it's as sure as certain you're on the journey. Praise the Lord. Something has begun in you. There is a day that we're looking forward to. There is an inheritance, incorruptible, pure and undefiled, reserved in heaven for you. Somebody say for me. We are trusting God for marriage. We are trusting God for, you know, house dedications. We are trusting God for baby dedications. We are trusting God for all manner of things. But they are not that inheritance. Praise the Lord. No, they are not that inheritance. We want them. We desire them because it's the promise of... But they are not that one that he says is incorruptible. All of them are, in, are corruptible. Praise the Lord. So it says that one is certain, is reserved in heaven for you. And then it says he's working in you with his mighty power to bring you so that you can enter into it. So in essence, what we are learning tonight is like the pregnant woman, okay? There are some things when she gets to a place, she looks at the step. She will not jump it like she would have jumped. Why? Because she's carrying a baby. I want you to have an understanding tonight that you're carrying something. Are you with me? There are destinies. There are marvelous things ahead of you. And for the sake of that, you conduct yourself. You carry yourself. The woman does not say, ah, this pain is too much. No, she's looking at the joy, at the rejoicing that is going to be hers and her families when that baby is delivered and is born in her arms. The same way now, I want you to look as a child of God. At the glory, when Christ will introduce you and say, Father, this is my brother. You know, he says, it's not ashamed to be called our brethren. When he's going to be putting crowns on our head 
and say, look at this one. He went through this, he went through that. She went through this, she went through that. And she maintained the faith. He said, enter into the reward of your master. That is what we are lifting up our eyes to. So, no matter what happens in our nation, no matter what happens in our family, no matter the provocation, no matter the trial, no matter the temptation, no matter the betrayal, no matter also the enticement, no matter the prosperity we enter, we never lose sight that there is a greater glory that God has prepared for us. And as children of God, we're saying, Lord, today we receive strength. We receive grace to run this race to finish in the name of Jesus Christ. To run it to finish in the name of Jesus. You know, we didn't get to read verse 8, but I just run through it quickly. He said, who having not seen you love. I like this one. You know why I like this one? I like this one because, you know, those days when mommy she was pregnant, sometimes, you know, you look at the tummy and then the baby will push out either the leg or the hand. And you just love the baby. Have you seen the baby? But you just love. You know why? Now, he's talking about Jesus. He said, you haven't seen him, but you love him. Are you with me? Though now you do not sin, what do you do? Yet you trust in him. You trust in him. So are, are we seeing the way it connects? You haven't seen the baby, but you're already in love with the baby. Why is that so? Because you know he's there. How many of us know Jesus is, is with us? Hallelujah. These are issues for prayer. Lord, I want to be excited about you. As though I could see you with my physical eyes. Do you see now? Though now you do not see him, say, yet believe you rejoice. You, you can go back and, and give us the living Bible. You rejoice with joy, inexpressible. You say you love him even though you have never seen him. Though not seen him, you trust him. And even now, what are we? We are happy with the inexpressible joy that comes from heaven itself. This is what we are entitled to, sir. This is what we are to experience. This is what we are to lay hold of. And this is what leads us to verse 9. Which says, receiving the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Let's just begin to bless the Lord. Let's begin to thank him. Because this is what they said the prophets wanted to understand. How does this work? So I thank you. And this is applicable in every area of our life. In transformation. In working out. You know, what God, you have a project. God has given you a ministry. God has given you a calling. God has given you whatever it is. This is the way it works. The future, he looks at it. He puts the seed in you. And then the journey begins. And then as we understand, we are able to triumph. We are able to count it all joy. When we fall into diverse trials and temptation. Knowing that the trial of our faith will care patience. He said, let patience have its perfect work. That you may be complete. Lacking nothing. Just like a pregnant woman. She knows that this thing I'm feeling, all of it will be over in nine months. I'm going to have a baby. Tell yourself, I'm bringing forth babies. I'm bringing forth glorious things. My head will be lifted. There will be joy. Hallelujah. There is a crown of righteousness. There is a glory that is... When the Father will say, look at you. You know that thing that happened in Nigeria? You know that transformation? These are the men. These are the women. These were the seeds I used. These were the people I had as points of contact. When they said to Abraham, if I can find ten righteous, maybe God is just allowing you in that situation so he can count as one of the righteous. Maybe, you know, we don't know what, but we know that the Father is working something. So you just sit quietly. You sense something is happening. Not something is about to happen now. Something is already happening inside me. I can feel it moving. I can sense it moving. So child of God, I have come to encourage you. 
I come to strengthen you, daughter of Zion. All around you may not look like it, but you're pregnant. God has working something for you. God is some, working something in you. God is working something through you. And there shall be a safe delivery in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.